Nice to see you again, Ian. Thanks for coming into the Rub Room, mate. How were the shows? It was excellent. When we spoke before you arrived, uh, we were talking about how you've got an organ. And I was asking you whether it's yes, a hammered organ. Yes, I do have an organ. <laughs> Not that particular one. Damon Fox, he plays the B3 style with the, um, the Leslie cabinet. It's like kind of going from 2D to 3D. Yeah, of course. In terms of sound. When you add those keyboards to provide texture, and at certain times are very, very important for song introductions, middle breaks, really distinctive tonal quality as well, so it really enhances the sound. Well, the layering that it allowed Manzarek to do with the doors, of course, was just, you know... We'll take that away and wave you out. The guitar, they didn't even have a bass. He mean played bass as well. Wow. So Ray played bass, as well as a little keyboard. Live, when I played with Ryan Robbie, we had a bass player, Phil Chan. If you can bridge seven minutes with a great organ playing with... That's mesmerising. Uh, it's sensational, I had the best it? seat in the house. So you've wrapped up the dates with Guns N' Roses as well that's coming to Australia, this particular show in 2017. Yes. What was the Guns N' Roses experience like for you? Man, it's like it's just like any other show. You roll in, you roll out. I mean, for us, my focus is our show. I think where you really will get a real perspective of it's being in the audience. It's a spectacle. There's no doubt. But it's, you gave them a, a big break, didn't you, back in the uh, early 80s, 87, I, I think. I don't know about giving them a big break. They were definitely, undoubtedly, just had the stuff. Yeah, but you um, had them as your support band, I think, back in I asked. I had my management ask them. I saw them at the Marquee Club in 87, and um, I went with my manager at the time, just me, and the managers went down. Because I'd read about them in sounds, and I was just so obsessed with them. They, they looked amazing, and I heard a bit of a live, like, saw the show, and it was blown away but that year we played with like Bowie we played with Iggy Pop we talked with Iggy Pop we yeah. played with David Bowie glad you mentioned Bowie what did that loss mean to you how did you feel when mm. you saw because it was I mean it impacted us when we were on the air when the news broke and you know we were just flabbergasted because nobody knew he was ill and also you just weren't expecting that to happen like that not with Bowie you know what yeah, I mean I felt like the roof had come off the house the pillars that were holding up the roof had fallen mm. in many ways it was like I've said this several times he was my North Star since I was a real young kid, 10. And I always looked to him for inspiration as an individual. His, his life, the choices he made as an artist, but the choices he also made as a, as a man, the things he became interested in, whether it was art or Tibetan Buddhism, led me into different areas that I probably wouldn't have gotten into had I not followed through his music and had the opportunity to meet with him and talk with him. But a lot of the introduction to you know, a certain journey came through Bowie for me. And I've always constantly gone back to Bowie, constantly. He's been my, like, the Low Album is such an important record in my life. Yeah, totally agree. In Excess were a very important band for us here in Australia, Ian. Uh, and you knew Michael Hutchins, didn't you? Michael, amazing. Gentleman. Good buddy. Had a few nights out with Michael. <laughs> we ripped it up. Um, Michael's a sweetheart, not a malicious guy. Certainly feet on the ground just a solid bloke broke my heart I saw him the week before he passed away and that was pretty tough you know because there was a lot going on for him at the time with Paul Yates and the media in the UK that was brutal I saw them out one night in London and they were both pretty shaken up and they were leaving through the back door very quickly yeah once the tabloids get you the red yeah we had an opportunity to embrace you know to hug each other because we were kind of like you know we're of the same age and coming up through a similar scene so we really bonded on that but then we got to know each other a little bit better and it's kind of like in a fishbowl there's very few individuals you can really relate to your experience yeah and michael was a friend certainly somebody i could relate to on that level we could share that experience of being objectified constantly where or every move's being criticized or observed and so i had that experience as well i really do hope to get a statue together for michael performing with the doors and replacing somebody like yeah. the iconic jim morrison yeah. what's your mindset when you go into something like that because obviously you want to put your own stamp on it as well and yet the fans look, also have a certain expectation yeah of course well i was a fan i am a fan i was a fan i am still a fan of the doors the situation was presented to me and this was a courtship that went on for a long time i was introduced to danny sugarman in the late 80s when oliver stone was casting for the film in fact 
Michael was up for the role. Right. Morrison. I didn't know that. I was being asked. And they wanted a singer who could sing to play the role. So I went out with Danny Sugarman and that was my introduction to The Doors. And this courtship went on for about 12 years. And eventually I get the call from Danny. He said, they're going to play. They're going to do something together. Are you interested in, you know, considering doing singing with these guys? And plus they did storytellers for VH1. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. After kind of a few interviews, especially with Ray, Ray was really, really grilled me. They said, we're going to play this show. We'd love you to be a part of it. Go away and learn 40 songs. Okay. So I went from being like fan to like all of a sudden, here's an opportunity. I knew somebody was going to do it. And I knew I'd kick myself if I didn't do it. And I'd be like sick with envy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want that kind of regret. It's just like one of those things. Things. But I knew it was going to come with a real set of expectations and it's going to be a real burden because I knew instantaneously there's going to be like real devotees. They're going to be like, that's something that can't happen. It shouldn't happen. Well, yeah. Ray and Robbie are like, we're going to go out and do this. We're getting older. We want to play for our fans. We haven't done anything for 30 years plus. It's going to be now or never. And that's what Ray said. If not now, then when? And I'm like, I'm in. It was literally one show. And then show one became show two. Thing, it's 150 at that point i had to walk away because it was just too intense thank you so much it's great to chat with thank really you great. so much for supporting my band there's a few people around the world who have been patrons for this band through rough times as well yep. and stuck with us and that means a lot to us it's our pleasure man it's triple m's pleasure it's my pleasure thank you ian hidden city is the latest album from the cult you may find this a bit disturbing he held me go the rubber room